Emma. Hey, Kate. We're together, everyone. Yeah, so if the audio sounds a million times better, it's because Kate and I are sitting right next to each other and not phoning each other across Manhattan. We're about six inches away from each other, for all those concerned. We're welcome. We're welcoming you to episode 12. We're super giddy and nervous. I can't believe we've surpassed 10 episodes. Truly. Um, Double digits. Wow. Thank you all for supporting the pod, supporting our Getting ventures. Getting us a 3K. Yeah, 3K <laughs> on the meme page. We have 1K on CMOS Life, which people still really don't fucking understand, but that's okay because I'm when I do. I kind of like the whole secret vibe of it. We release content, literally no one knows what we're doing. We're just floating. That's kind of how I want to live the rest of my life. Just like flow, kind of be there in existence, but not like the main character. Yeah. yeah. Talk about ashwagandha. No one listens. It's, it's literally <laughs> Classic. fine. Classic, yeah. Classic us. Um, but today's episode is going to be really smart and really cool. So you better sit down and your mind's going to be blown. I can imagine a lot of our listeners are plant-based girlies, vegan girlies. Y'all care about your supplements, your health, your nutrition. So you definitely know what it is to be vegan. Um, so this episode is going to be about food and climate change. So we all know, uh, I hope you know, that climate change is happening. It is a real threat. Um, it could be irreversible by 2030 if the governments across the world don't do anything to resolve conflict. But... As you as an individual have probably been burdened with personal lifestyle choices that you should make to, you know, clean up the planet, green your life, eco-friendly this, metal straw that. And so this is going to be a candid conversation of Emma and I just talking about how we have changed our lives to become better consumers in our economy, how we have been felt like we're not doing enough or other people aren't doing enough, where we have felt like... There's, you know, limits to veganism, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely been, like, probably shut down everyone's throat that, like, being vegan's, like, the best thing that you can do for, like, the environment, which, like, true to an extent. I think also, like, a lot of people don't even, like, think, me included, about, like, how your choices and, like, what you purchase from the grocery store, like, impacts, like, climate change. Because um, I think there's definitely, like, this big curtain or, like, veil that kind of, like, hides the food industry from us. Mm-hmm. And so it's, like your only interaction is really, like, when you're at, like, the fucking grocery store debating to get, like, the organic or non-organic apple. And it's, like, unless you're, like, going to, like, the actual farmer's market and, like, talking to, like, the farmer who's, like, selling you the apples, you, like, have no idea, like, what the soil looks like on, like, where these, like, plants were being grown. Like, who harvested them? Like, are they getting paid fair wages? Like, how far it transported? Like, what type of herbicides and pesticides, like, got sprayed on them? And, like, how that impacts climate change? Um... So yeah, there's like a lot to unpack. And I know for myself, when thinking about climate change from like a political standpoint, I never felt like I was a science person growing up. Like I literally could never take an advanced class in chemistry, biology, none of the fucking fancy names and words make sense. And whenever I would get news about climate change, like, okay, sea levels are rising by 1.5 this, we can't re- go past our two degree carbon emissions budget. That goes yeah, like, well, whoop, the, what way the over my head. Those whoop, no like, idea. Parts per million, like the fuck? Oh no, so many Arctic ice caps are melting. Okay, I don't live near the Arctic ice caps. Yeah. I have no idea. And climate change is such a localized issue. If you're if your back if your backyard gets flooded, you understand the immediate impacts of that, how it affects the food, your water, your power goes out. Like that makes a lot of cognitive sense to people, but it's this slow erosion of like the planet that makes it so hard to communicate about climate change in an effective way and that's kind of I think for me like career-wise that's something that I'm interested in but when it comes to food how can you understand how your single fucking apple affects 
what's happening in a country far, far away from you. And once again, like I was saying, that is like a manipulation tactic of the food industry to make us not feel like we have any sort of autonomy over our food. We have no control over it that, okay, so what this developing nation in Africa is going to be struggling of droughts and hurricanes. We're just going to exploit them for their labor and take their food from them. Uh, And so I think that's one area and like way in which this food climate change connection gets really confusing. So yeah, Emma and I also, you know, veganism is a big, I think, lifestyle choice that a lot of people, you know, it's it makes the most sense when you think about food and climate change. I think people, it's kind of the, I think how I felt empowered to make a difference when I think about my food. Um, and I think everyone probably has like, like, is, knows that like, yeah, like the whole like red meat consumption thing. And I'm sure everyone has like questioned, yeah, like, should I be eating more plant-based or like, should I be cutting out meat and stuff? And I agree. Like it has definitely empowered me in the sense that I feel like I've actually like made like some sort of difference perhaps. Yeah. And like, yeah, I think veganism obviously is on the rise or being plant-based at least Mm -hmm. in wellness culture. So if you're someone who's like into wellness supplements, taking your B12 and shit, like you definitely know what veganism is, but also as like a sidebar, there's a lot of people who do not think about how food impacts the climate at all. Yeah. So we're kind of speaking to people who I think have probably made some lifestyle choices. Maybe there are financial constraints where you live. You don't have access to certain, quote, wellness products. So that's kind of going to be this episode. We're going to split this into two different episodes because there is a lot to unpack here. A lot of research that Emma and I want to become, I think, more knowledgeable on. Uh, We have a lot of privileges and gaps in our own knowledge of how food and climate change and ecosystems and agriculture all intersect. And we don't want this to be just some, you know, nerdy shit. As much as Emma and I love it, uh, it's not really, I think, the point of the podcast. So without further ado, I think we're going to get into episode 12. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to call you back. I'm just going to, we're just going to riff. Um, so as an introduction, I think, how do food and climate change interact from a macro level? So the main way that food is going to affect how the earth works is going to be through carbon emissions. And so there's this nice New York Times piece that has... Well, link it as it's like this interactive and it has all these links to like, if you cut this out, how much will you be saving? And it's all about individual actions. And so it says the four biggest ways that food contributes to climate change are from these things. So when forests are cleared for livestock and farming, so thinking about animals grazing, carbon is released into the atmosphere. When cows, sheep, and goats break down their food, they release methane emissions. I'm sure people have heard this. Like Fox News love to talk about like, oh my God, cows are farting and like Green New Deal. We're going to take away our cows and shit. Like it's funny. There's been a lot of, you know, Fox News like screen grabs of them making fun of vegans and hippies and everything. So I'm sure if you're a resident vegan, you've gotten that joke from extended family members. Um, And then when animal manure is produced, that's going to release a ton of greenhouse emissions into the environment as well because of the byproduct and like what they eat and how that affects the climate as well. And then the last one is food transportation. So when farms need to transport food, make fertilizer, operate large machines that go into tilling and taking care of the land, fossil fuels are dependent on the energy source that are used in things like tractors, huge automated vehicles. And so that's another contributor to climate change because fossil fuels right now are so highly dependent in our economy. 
Um, and so that's kind of how I think the broadest way to think about food and climate change and like kind of break it down and how it affects carbon emissions. Now, I'm not someone who like knows the difference exactly scientifically between methane or greenhouse emissions. And I don't necessarily think that information is helpful. No. Like unless you want to go study and do something with it, I don't really want to present that information to you. Go over the head in one year, out the other. So the next section, if Emma wants to go off about it. Yes. The food portion so yeah like climate change it like devastates our ecosystems and it makes soil conditions worse for farmers and this is just based on like current like commercial farming practices um and so climate change can lead to food insecurity it can reduce our food supply and also raise food prices and then it elevates co2 levels which then leads to lower levels of nutrients available in crops and then farmers face threats from drought and flooding and extreme weather can destroy the yield and the rising sea levels can devastate coastal farms as well. Um, so that's kind of like how, like the way we eat and like how it is being like grown currently in America, like these are like the impacts and it can like lead to like the farmers. Yeah. And like I was saying before, most of us don't know our farmers. Uh, if you're shopping at Trader Joe's, if you're shopping at any franchise, you're not going to know who's growing your apples, who's dealing with your eggs and meat or whatever you're consuming. So that's kind of difficult, I think, to have that human attachment to climate change because you're like, okay, well, maybe my farmer didn't experience a drought. Like, why should I give a fuck? But it's thinking about the systems at play. Like, I think that's kind of a helpful lens to think like, oh, shit, I really don't think about my farmer. Like, yeah, I wonder if it's going to be a bad year or if California, there's a wildfire. Like, shit, no wonder my food prices went up because it's easy to detach, I think, your consumption between the production of food. Um, and this kind of gets into the next section about like, okay, so you feel empowered by that or like semi like empowered to make a difference in your diet. Maybe you do have a little bit of like wiggle room or freedom in your budget to make different choices or just, you know, maybe, I mean, I went vegan when I was a senior in high school and I knew I was going to be going to New York. So I was going to have more autonomy over what groceries I was buying, what I was eating on the meal plan. So it's a lot about positionality, like where you are and if you were able to make food choices. Like if I was 12 and like family, I want to go vegan. My mom probably would have been like, shut up. Like we're not going to go change the whole grocery budget just for you. Yeah. So that's why I think Emma and I are kind of touching on veganism with a really like light hand is like a light suggestion because there are a lot of nuances into it. And once again, we're going to have another episode talking about like the limits of veganism, but to kind of open up about veganism, uh, it is the main way to reduce your own carbon footprint with food. Uh, I think the main statistic that I often see on like little vegan infographics is that each person or each day, a person who eats a vegan diet saves about 1,100 gallons of water, 45 pounds of grain, 30 square feet of forest land, and 20 pounds of carbon dioxide. So it equates to a certain amount of CO2 offsets that you would save as a person per day if you went vegan. Now, once again, those numbers don't mean anything to me. I cannot visualize how many gallons of water that is, how many grains, but like you get the point. And I think it's enough of a statement that it makes sense to most people like, oh, wow, I didn't really think about my diet affects forestry or grain stock and all that. All of that, you know, vegan propaganda, Uh, the big vegans be throwing at us. Um, And the biggest way that I think the supply chain is affected by maybe a consumer boycott of everyone going vegan is red meat. Um, Livestock production is going to be the largest uh, contributor to GHG emissions. It's an estimated 14.5% of the global GHG emissions from human activities is through livestock production. So I think that's why most... Yeah, like even not even vegan stuff, but maybe vegetarian or just people that are more health conscious always say like you should reduce your red meat. Like that's a pretty 
common universal statement. Um, but here's kind of, I think, where Emma and I are going to twist the podcast, maybe blow your mind. Uh, I'd say for the past... <laughs> I think if, you, if you guys follow me on Instagram, you probably have seen me sneaking some cheeky photos of some eggs. Those yeah. are real eggs. That is not a just egg. That is not a mung bean vegan egg. That no. is a real egg. <laughs> I am actually very anti-just egg. Like, that shit is disgusting, expensive, not good for you. So that's my wellness take. Um, but personally, Emma and I have not been vegan for about two weeks now. I think it's, yeah, been like about two, two weeks. Three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, once again, I didn't really feel compelled to like share why on my Instagram. I'm sure some people would attack me and like yeah. be like, oh, you're not a good activist. You're not a good person. And that's when I was vegan. I never shame people about not being vegan. I was like, my whole family's not vegan. I grew up and a lot of my extended families rely on hunting. It's a thing where they would go out, shoot the deer, clean the deer. Everyone would eat it. They would take care of the scraps and like make it into bone broth or something. Like I never grew up with such a dirty connotation. I do understand there's a difference between factory farming and going out and hunting and eating a deer and eating all the parts of it. But I have never been someone who's like, you're not vegan. I'm not going to be friends with you. And in the dating episode, we got like, how do you guys go about dating not non-vegans? And I was like, I just don't, like, yeah. I don't care. I mean, I don't care either. And I think also, like, kind of come from this, like, eating disorder type thing. Like, I, like, I think shaming anyone for how they eat is, like, not smart at all. Because, like, eating is a very personal thing. And also, like, you don't know, like, what someone's, like, financial situation is. You don't know what, like, their health issues are. Like, there's many reasons why people eat the way they do. And so, like, from that reason, like, I got so uncomfortable when people would comment on, like, what it was that I'm eating. So I don't do the same to them. And... Like Kate said, like, I'm also from the Midwest. I'm not going to get much into detail about it, but I do have, like, connections to, like, farming. Um, and, like, I... Yeah, my mom was yeah. raised on a farm, a lot of hunters in my family. Yeah. And that's not even the reason why I feel like I shouldn't shame anyone. For me, it's more of just, like, a... I wouldn't shame someone if they had two toenails and blue hair. Like, why the hell do you care about someone's other someone's lifestyle so yeah. much? I do understand that, like, once again... If everyone was going out there and just throwing their trash in the ground, like, that would be a collective action problem. Like, you do need to have some sort of interventions where people do feel empowered to make individual changes, Mm -hmm. but there is so much that complicates the really easy misnomer that, like, everyone should be vegan. And also, sorry to cut you off, but I think also, like, shaming gets no one anywhere. Like, we're just going to keep on, like you know, judging each other, then it's just, like, creates even more of a divide. It makes people feel bad about themselves, and it's, like, you kind of have to, like, especially with climate change now, it's, like we kind of have to meet each other halfway. Yeah. Well, and with climate change too, like as we'll get into in this podcast and the next one, we're not going to like tofu our way out of the climate crisis. (laughs) Most of it is depending upon the fossil fuel economy and it would be a restructuring of how every aspect of our economy works. Everything from jobs, transportation, transportation, housing, how public utilities are funded. Food is a solution and a driving factor for it just as fast fashion is. But I don't think people when this is, I think, the issue that Emma and I have with vegans, it's all about yourself and you're not thinking about other ways you're contributing harm. And I don't think people are honest about it. Like you could be taking a flight every single day. That's doing a lot of harm. You could be using 12 single use plastic water bottles every day. Or you could be getting like vegan takeout like four times a week. Yeah. Are you and everyone who's high and mighty about recycling, it's the same thing. Most of that ends up in the landfill. And so... I don't, if you're buying all your vegan food in plastic, what, what's that good, good, what good is that doing? And so that I think is where the podcast is coming from in the sense that, 
yes, I am someone who very much cares about the severities of climate change. And I didn't just go vegan flippantly as like a diet reason. It was very much because I felt like my moral values were aligning with environmental issues and being vegan was kind of a way to go about it. But this is more of a podcast and educational thing that if you are plant-based, if you are vegan, here are some nuances to the conversation and other ways that you can check yourself and then also other ways to talk to people. Because like Emma was saying, I, from a political persuasion standpoint, yeah, you're never going to get anywhere if you're like, you're a bad person. It's like, okay, I'm closed off. I'm not going to listen to you. That's a natural human reaction. So this gets into the limits of veganism. And once again, we're going to do another podcast that talks more about the systemic inequities, things like food apartheid, indigenous communities. This one is going to be mostly about like the virtue signaling that goes along with veganism. For me, I really think that no dietary choice is going to be ethical under the system of capitalism we have and the system of industrial agriculture. There are so many gross inequalities and disparities that are produced by the system that it's we are not living in some sort of free market. I don't know anyone who really... There are a lot of people that ascribe to that ideology, but choices are not made equally and fairly. A lot of people have more purchasing power, accessibility, and I feel like that makes sense to people when you think about maybe something like a grocery store or farmer's markets and who has access to that. I do feel like that's a pretty open conversation, but then somehow when it gets to veganism, everyone's like, well, why is everyone not vegan? It's like, okay. So we're going to get into all this in the podcast, and I think veganism for me was never, I never wanted to like... You know, when I first went vegan, I think I was talking a lot about the environmental stuff and ethical stuff. After a while, I was like, okay, I don't want to use this as like, I'm better than everyone else. Like, this is my moral superiority that I'm vegan. And, you know, that's a, I mean, that's a stereotype that vegans just think you're better than everyone because you go to the farmer's market. And you, like, you only eat vegetables. Yeah, like, that's great for you. But there's a lot of other factors to think about when it comes to your relationship to food and the land you occupy and plastic and all of that stuff. Uh, for example, when you're thinking about inequities in the food system a vegan diet is going to be more plant rich and so if you're thinking like if we flip to switch overnight and everyone had to be vegan our current food system does not able it's not able to produce enough fruit and vegetables to feed everyone so less than half of all regions globally are projected to meet the dietary recommendations for the consumption of fruit vegetables and red meat and also exceed the optimal total energy intake so that's caloric intake as a consequence, there would have to be large systemic interventions in the food system to achieve dietary patterns that would meet the climate goals, meaning that the government would have to change how it structures food subsidies, food deserts. It would have to address the inequalities for everyone to go vegan, because right now, the way it is, we would run out of fruits and vegetables. So that's kind of a basic statement. I think we'll get into this part more in the next episode. Um, but the next section is transportation of food. Yeah, so, I mean, like, obviously, when you're, like, plant-based, you are going to be eating more fruits and vegetables, and, like, yeah, like, that is going to reduce your carbon footprint compared to, like, consuming meat, but then, like, thinking about, like, eating, like, local plant-based versus, like, out-of-season fruit and veg, because, yeah, you can be eating all these fruits and vegetables, but if you're eating, you know, your veggies that are out-of-season or buying from, like, foreign country or, like, from a different country, taking into, like, account, like, how much carbon is, like, being emitted through, like, flying those fucking like kiwis to your grocery store yeah and so the average meal travels 1,500 miles to get from a farmer to your plate and once again I think to say something here like people don't think about who their farmer is you're really not thinking about the labor which we're gonna get into more later and that's something that I've been like whenever I go to Whole Foods and I'll see like the organic apple but it's like grown in fucking like Michigan and then the local non-organic apple which was like grown in New York and I have been kind of thinking about okay like 
sometimes I have been now choosing to go for like the more local apple because it's like grown closer to me and like that reduces like some a bit of like carbon emissions so I think just like thinking about like yeah you might be eating these fruits and vegetables but like also taking into account like where it actually is they're coming from yeah and when you're thinking about food miles that's kind of the transportation of food there have been like various studies because I think there was a buzz about eating local and I think that was a huge trend everyone's gonna go to their farmer's market shop local but shifting your diet to less meat and less dairy is going to be more of an emissions reduction than if you were just buying all locally sourced food so that's once again getting into this another thing do you have the money to spend an extra twenty dollars on eating all local eating all organic you know do you have more time to take a 30 minute car ride to go to the specialty place where you can get all local stuff so it's not once again an equal choice for everyone thinking about working class people if you have i mean i in high school i didn't have access to a car i had to borrow my mom's car i'm not going to be like mom hey i need to like drive to the farmer's market every morning in like a different suburb like what the hell is that sort of i think you know vegan lifestyle and the next thing is like the fancy sort of like white veganism as we've talked about before um almond milk is very very unsustainable nuts and soy have an environmental and climate ab- impact if they're grown in conventional methods that's industrial agriculture the new york times it cited that it takes 15 gallons to produce 16 almonds so when you're thinking about your high and mighty almond milk and i'm saving the planet someone who might be eating like a locally sourced goat milk or sheep's milk or i don't know some random animal milk might be having less of a carbon footprint about it once again carbon footprint isn't the end-all be-all because it is an individual action it's you versus another person but just to kind of i think make vegans check themselves yes and like with like the fancy vegan products i'm sure everyone's like you know impossible burger this beyond meat that and you see it at like all these like fucking like fast food chains and everything which yeah like is great but like a these are like super expensive and like we're not going to be able to just like eat soy burgers and get to like you know some perfect like climate yeah um and impossible burgers can do more harm than you think they require a ton of water usage just to like grow and package they add roughly 3.5 kilograms of co2 to the environment and they're made with like gmo soy which these like soybeans are being sprayed with like roundup and glyphosate which are like chemicals and when you like are constantly using these chemicals and spraying plants with these they weaken plants and also pollute water systems. So, like, your GMO soy fucking burger is, like, also polluting and contributing to, like, um, water pollution and also to, like, CO2. So, like, yeah, like, you know, it's just, like, things to, like, take into consideration that, like, just because it is vegan doesn't mean it's, like, you know, the ultimate, like, the best option. Yeah, and this is, like, I think the marketplace, once again, can shift people that, once again... There's a lot of people that are like, I want a burger. I want the taste of a burger. I'm never going to eat a fucking tofu patty. Like, that sounds disgusting. So you are getting some people that are more open to the idea of, oh, wait, vegan food isn't gross. You're reducing the stigma around being plant-based and vegan to people that might have been harder to reach. Uh, Because I know in the 70s and 80s when everyone's like, I'm going to eat my lentil pasta. Like, everyone's like, okay, you hippies, go in the middle of the woods and eat that shit. So it does make sense from, I think, the standard American diet if, let's say, you were able to take... 10 people and five of them are eating impossible burgers and then five of them are eating regular McDonald's patties or something that would make a climate difference. But once again, from a public health standpoint, that also ties into climate change. So if we're not thinking about creating the most equitable health options, that's another issue with veganism too. Like if you're just going to get these fancy vegan foods that are not the best for the planet or public health, it's kind of like, I don't know. I'm not going to say a stupid solution, but once again, you're not at the root of the problem of like, 
Why has our climate system gotten? Why do we consume so much? Um, so yeah, just another thing to consider. One point that I get really frustrated with is plastic usage. I have had, this was kind of an experience I had early in college. I had a lot of people in my life that were vegan constantly order takeout. Had, you know, just endless amount of like single use water bottles never thinking about their own footprint in ways beyond veganism and like claim to be such an environmental advocate, virtue signaling, I'm vegan, I've, you know, I don't have any other guilt and shame. And there's people that are like, yeah, like in Los Angeles at Erewhon buying like 12 a pack of Essentia water. Yet people don't really care about politics and care about people they don't know. Like Flint, Michigan still does not have water. And so if you're so high and mighty about like your specialty spring water, it's once again, it's like a a self-care versus a community care. I think we are all isolated and individualistic and we think about our own health. And I think about those, you know, Berkey water filters or even pollution skincare. Like why don't we address the pollution that's happening to your neighbors versus you just buying a solution that only helps yourself and thinking about once again, who has food to go buy such fancy alternatives, but it just frustrates me because it's this lack of political awareness and you could bring more people into the movement of being sustainable, being environmentally friendly if it wasn't just about individual isolated solutions. Like, why not go and get some sort of better water for your community than you having to go and buy an alternative? Um, And then the the next part is the expensiveness of vegan or wellness diets, which I think Emma and I have said before, but another just disclaimer, because there's a lot of, you know, white wellness guys, and Emma and I are both white, but that go and make products with like matcha and turmeric and CBD. And meanwhile, there's, you know, communities of color that have never reaped the financial benefits of these are their native foods. Um, There are very few like CBD brands that actually like care about the fact that we have a mass incarceration system that is disproportionate in this country so that's an area where i feel like wellness culture specifically is problematic because it has no sort of attachment to the communities that are most struggling from it um and then another part of i think people do not think about when they're vegan and they are perfect with their food consumption is food waste Yes, so food waste. Um, Roughly about a third to half of the food we grow does not make it from the farm to our body. And there's many, many reasons because of this. And actually to grow the amount of food wasted around the world, it would take the entire landmass of China. So like, just like, I think that really like paints a picture of like how big food waste is. Like everyone can see on a map how massive China is. And just like think about like all the food that we've wasted, like it would require that much landmass to grow at all. In the U.S., we produce also enough food for 10.5 billion people, yet 15 million people experience food insecurity. So, like, when you're, like, going to the grocery store and buying all this crap and then you, like, end up just getting takeout, like, how much privilege you have and being able to, like, purchase as much food but then, like, throwing it all away and, like, yeah. not even thinking that, like, literally, like, the homeless person, like, that, like, lives on your, like, the corner of your, like, block hasn't probably, like, had a proper meal in, like, perhaps days. Or, like, think about even, I think, you know, with, like, food banks, like... Or, like, yeah, you know, you go to, like, whatever, some place that, like, gives out food or whatever, yeah. Um, And, like, people are waiting in lines for, like, hours in order to get, like, you know, some sort of produce. And, like, they might be standing in line for, like, four hours. And then, like, they get there and they're, like, oh, we're actually all out of, like, eggs and chicken. But, like, here's some, like, milk and, like, bread. And so just, like, kind of, like, realizing that, I think when you, like, I don't know, food waste, like, really, like, is a huge thing and to me. And along that line, I think we talked about it in the other episode with dietary choices, like, food combining. This ties mm-hmm. in as well. Like, 
I don't have the I don't have the option at my grocery store to go buy peppers versus asparagus. When it gets to like really micro specific things that I feel like a lot of wellness and health people yeah. focus on, white rice is bad for you. Only eat brown rice. Only have these type of sweet potatoes. Only have raw, unsalted, organic nut butter. Some people don't even have access to nuts. So that's another area where I think I have also, like, once again, Emma and I are perfect consumers. Mm-hmm. Like, I have felt like, okay, I need to get the most, quote, pure, whatever, like, bullshit labels, clean, healthy, this. I should just be grateful for the food I have and yeah. that I have some sort of autonomy in making food choices. Because yeah. a lot of people, like I was saying, do not have the time or the money or, like, any sort of accessibility to make choices. Exactly. And then also, like, unless you're composting, like, your food is getting tossed into the landfill. And when your food gets tossed into the landfill, it go it undergoes anaerobic decomposition, which means decomposition without oxygen. And thus, the these foods then generate methane gas, which then gets released into the atmosphere. So why do we waste food? There's multiple different reasons. One being is that, like, prices can tend to be so low that farmers basically just allow their food to rot in the fields because um, it's just, like, cheaper for them. And also the concept of, like, imperfect and ugly looking foods i mean like we like live in a capitalist society where like people literally care about like the shape of like their potatoes and so like if like a potato or if like an orange is like discolored like it'll just get tossed out because like they know no one's going to purchase that Mm -hmm. and then also i think with the confusion of the sell by and best buy date this is like a way that consumers get really confused um sorry um (laughs) and so the sell-by and best-by dates, they're not related to safety, but rather than when the food itself will taste best. And again, that's, like, a very confusing thing, and I think there should be changes in, like, how, like, those are, like, explained on, like, food products. Yeah. And so due to all of this, food waste is responsible for nearly 8% of greenhouse emissions. Um, so I think, like, definitely just, like, you know being mindful and cautious of like how much food it is that you're purchasing and like wasting it's like just eat your fucking leftovers like you may not want to like eat like you know your fucking like avocado for the 10th day in a row but like remember like some people like literally don't have any choices in like what food they get to consume yeah and once again with the best buy or sell buy i think there are some you know bakeries that do donate their day old bagels or you can buy i remember i think it was brewer's bagels growing up my mom would always go on the day after and you could get like a baker's dozen for $5 or something versus the fresh day bagels. So I feel like there is more awareness of like these best buy sell by labels being fucked up. But I think average consumer is not really thinking about food waste um, and thinking more about the fancy like post post um, consumption things like what. Okay. So I've bought all my shit. No one thinks about, okay, I'm how much am I buying? Like, is it going to go bad? Oh wait, I just got takeout again. Uh, and that's a cultural thing. I think there's no stigma around wasting food. People really don't feel bad versus in a lot of European countries, you get fined if you throw any sort of um, organic matter into your landfill. So that is like an incentive structure that like would need to be implemented from a government level to make people actually give a shit about food waste. Because yeah, right now, like your friends aren't going to be like, you know, if you throw something on the gar- the ground, if you throw trash, people are going to be like, why would you do that? Like, go put that in the trash bin. There is a general cultural stigma. But like, if you threw out 12 eggs, people wouldn't really judge you for that um if you didn't finish what you got at a restaurant and like didn't take it as takeout and you just threw it away um we don't really think about wastefulness because it just seems like such a high consumer rich country like oh i have the time i can just go get another one or i can go buy another 
food item or if you go grocery shopping again versus other countries that are a lot more in conjunction with nature and how much they take away from nature and there's a more regenerative food system and than- i was gonna touch on this also like we're like very privileged and lucky that like we don't live right next to a fucking landfill and i think yeah. that's why it's like so easy to forget like the impact it has because like we like i like don't know what the landfills look like i don't know like yeah so that's just like one thing to keep in mind too and lauren singer who her instagram is trash is for tossers she's done a really good job with zero waste uh because she did this whole youtube video i'm sure some of you are familiar with it where she put all of her waste because she is a very like low waste person and it fit in a mason jar for a week and so it was a video that went like pretty viral because it was talking about like if you had to you couldn't throw your trash out for let's say like a month and you had to live with it, that would really force people to reevaluate how much you were throwing away because no one wants trash in your apartment smelling it up. Um, And this gets back to the government side of it because I think as much as it seems like it's a good fix for all of us to go vegan and that's like a fancy technocratic way out of it that we're all going to just eat Beyond Burgers... there's serious government interventions that would need to happen to make an equal playing field so everyone can go vegan. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like we were saying, we do not have enough fresh fruit and fresh vegetables for people to go vegan. And also another thing that's kind of off the cuff, like if you're eating only broccoli, that's not enough calories. So I remember good old Emily Oberg, (laughs) I'm sporty and blocked by the way, but she posted something on her story, which really threw me off because, you know, she's a wellness god in some ways. Something about how a McDonald's Happy Meal is $4 and you can get a dozen apples for $4. Let's say that's the example. That's not true, whatever. But she was like, okay, why wouldn't you go with the apples? Like, it's not too expensive to eat healthy. Okay, Emily Oberg, I am a single mom that has to feed 12 children. They are not going to eat an apple for their entire lunch. So that's another privileged thing. Like, yeah, you might feel like I've seen endless videos that are like budgeting vegan is whatever, but it's thinking about convenience culture. It's thinking about access to food. And we're going to get into more on this in that next episode because there's a lot of indigenous cultures and communities that do practice veganism that are traditional to the way that they eat. But a lot of colonization and like white people going and taking their crops and exploiting them for their profit, those communities are now not able to eat entirely plant-based. Or there's a lot of countries that are very conscious of how they Um, herd meat and they clean the bones and they take care of it versus the industrial agriculture system in the United States is a fucking mess. Like we are so detached from it. We don't give a fuck about it. And if you do, you're vegan, you're isolated, you're not really impacting your entire neighborhood. So that's an area where I think there is just, this is mostly speaking at high consumer countries, white people that are privileged enough to have the access to shame other people for being Mm -hmm. vegan. Because I think it's very prevalent and it doesn't get discussed. And as Emma and I have been vegan, we have been two white girls. Like, I think this is kind of our conversation to have. We didn't really want to have a conversation about, like, indigenous sovereignty. Because we are sitting on stolen land right now. Like, we have gentrified in some ways. We have produced harm onto people of color in, you know, certain ways. And so it's not our place to have this educational platform about, like, the ways that veganism is not like um accessible because there are plenty of communities of color that have been vegan but i think this is just speaking from our place yeah. which i wanted to say because yes. like a lot of people are vegan and it does work and there's a lot of indigenous and black vegans and everything but emma and i are speaking from a lens of looking at other white vegans and challenging i think the way that high consumer countries white people are operating 
Totally. Yeah. So this gets into the policy proposals section. So as we said before, addressing food waste would be a huge policy proposal to simplify things and address carbon emissions. Yeah. So one of them would be with the confusion over like sell by and use by date is like a big reason why billions of tons of foods are tossed each year so simplifying the food labels for that and expiration labels like how it also confuses consumers because like even i like i'm like what the fuck do these like dates and everything mean and then imposing some sort of law that prohibits grocery stores from throwing away any food and if they are caught doing so like making them pay a fine um france has this and i know like in san francisco they provide everyone with a composting bin Mm -hmm. and so it's just like little simple solutions like that and i mean like in new york we're pretty like lucky in the sense of like we do have access to like you know union square farmers market to drop off like our food compost and i know i was doing that for a while then once pandemic hit you know new york city like cut costs and like they kind of got rid of the composting and i'll be honest like i have not composted since like last march and i like i'm willing to admit that like yeah kate and i aren't perfect either um Mm -hmm. because i know like we joke about like being like ultimate wellness gods but also it's like we're not perfect. Like we're fucked up. Like we also contribute to like food waste. And, like, yeah. Like I definitely normal. have made, I definitely have made banana bread and it turned out like shit and I've thrown it away. So, uh, I think once again, realizing that you do as an individual have power, but it's not the extent of your power. So to be more aware of other ways that I think you can help the environment, if helping the environment is your rain, main reason for going vegan and composting bins is a big one because I think that is expanding access to your community. I mean, when I was living in my old apartment, I knew that there's these bins in New York, these like orange bins, and you have to request them from the city. And I was like, that is just so fucked up from a systemic level. Like, why is the burden put on the individual to seek out composting? It should be mandated. But I don't ever know. Like, I am kind of optimistic about this whole like radical food change. But at the same time, like most Americans are pretty hesitant to any government intervention, any sort of taxes, any sort Mm -hmm. of government. People think that government's the devil. And so I don't think people would want government to mandate them composting just because ideology of Americans is pretty individualistic and greedy and selfish. Um, but then the ma- the next major, I think, policy proposal is making it easier for everyone to be vegan, addressing problems like food deserts, which we will get into in the next episodes. We've said before, like, I grew up and, you know, went to McDonald's when it was our lunch break or something, like, f- composting again. Emma and I would have to sit on the subway and, like, go. I mean, at one point I was struggling because i had to city bike my compost and it would i would have it in my freezer so it wouldn't smell my apartment up and then it would literally melt in my city bike <laughs> yeah. like in the bin i remember that shame i was like holy shit like the my rotten vegetables are in my city bike bin like fuck like i'm doing good but it's also like i just ruined the next person's city bike ride so i can't imagine you know asking everyone to go get on the subway and drop off their food waste. like that's just like not practical yeah no it's not practical and like asking everyone to go like cook their like like brother some like tofu scramble no, so it's like so many people like have to work like two jobs like there's so many things like the last thing they like can worry about is like dropping their food off in like a bin somewhere. or like the last thing they can worry about is fucking ashwagandha yeah you know so i mean emma and i joke about it like we take our supplements we make our stupid memes about like moon juice products but realistically you can't get mad at your neighbor it's like the it, the system needs to be changed radically from the government perspective so that's why i don't love this whole like individual shaming thing and that's why i'm kind of post-veganism i would say yeah. obviously i mean it's like i've bought eggs and i've bought like salmon and like sardines i'm not like i'm eating red meat every fucking yeah, meal like, i'm literally 99 percent plant-based i just had to do something and i feel a lot better health-wise i honestly feel, i partially like, kind of one of the reasons why like i incor- started incorporating some of these things was partially for like health reasons and why yeah like, how i was feeling from like a lot of the 
especially just like plant-based like meat alternatives oh yeah like seitan and like all these weird fake meats like those cannot be good for my digestive system (laughs) and eating so much nut butter and i think it also is like a perspective of like eating disorder where emma and i were just like binging on certain nut butters and just feeling like we have like endless pit in our stomach because we were eating probably foods that we weren't getting enough variety and uh, now I think Emma and I confidently can say like we have been so focused on nutrition like I have not felt any sort of urge to have some sort of like eating disorder mindset I've just been like oh I want to buy salmon because it has like high omega fatty acids and I want to pair it with this vegetable and it sounds weird but Emma and I've been saying this back and forth I have focused on vegetables and appreciated my vegetables so much more. And you'd think going vegan, you know, you have every vegetable at your disposable, you disposal, you would really enjoy your vegetables, but I have never enjoyed vegetables so much now that I can have an egg with it or salmon with it or something like that. And it's like so funny, like Kate and I always joke about like, oh, it's 2.47 p.m. Time for us to spiral about dinner. Cause like Kate and I always like dreaded our dinners because yeah. like we kind of like knew how to like make our breakfast and like make them feeling and enjoyable. But like for dinner, I would just be like, well, here's like my bowl of like vegetables and like I'm gonna fucking like hate my life and like yeah. be so bloated and like not be able to digest them. Yeah. But like, and I'm not saying like, okay, like if you're vegan, like you need to start eating like eggs and salmon because Kate and I are too. Like, this is like just like our like perspective. personal perspective and like our own like journey. And like, again, like I don't care how people eat. Them, no, really. literally, like, I could care less. And like, yeah, I mean, I definitely like am now enjoying my dinners now and I feel like I appreciate my foods and my vegetables and. Yeah, I mean, I, like, definitely feel a lot better. (laughs) And I think, like, if you're just living in any sort of lifestyle where you feel like your days are not enjoyable, feel the autonomy to make a fucking change. Yeah. It sucks. It sucked to, like, have dinner every day and fucking hate my life after. And I think, like, Kate and I realized, like, we deserve to enjoy all of our meals and everything that we eat. Like, (laughs) like, if we were, like, just, like, so depressed about dinner for, like, four years straight, it's like, okay, make a change then? Yeah, it seemed like we were hitting ourselves in the head without, like, realizing, I think. And once again, the solution for you might not to be eating eggs. It might be to have five snacks throughout the day, or it might be to eat ice cream, or it might be to have some sort of other route for it. It might be to... I don't know. For me, I've also, like, really stopped running. I went on, like, a sprint the other day where I ran, like, half of what I normally would, and maybe I felt anxious about it, and, like, oh, God, am I doing enough? But I think... It felt for me like being vegan was an identity of perfectionism. And Emma and I were perfectionists about a lot of shit. And for me, I cannot be with food anymore. Uh, It wasn't necessarily getting me back to like eating disorder mentality. But I just think it was, I was pushing up against something and I really didn't see a way out of it. Um, It was a toxic mindset and it was like struggling in silence. I mean, Emma and I were struggling together, but like... I didn't really know. Emma and I were like, oh shit, it's going to have to be like, you know, we cut more calories, we work out more, we can't eat any of our favorite foods, I can never have chocolate again. And realistically, it was like, no. It's the most simple thing. Buy a wider source of vegetables, eat foods more, actually cook your foods in the oven versus just like microwaving shit. Like, wow, I didn't realize the solutions were right in front of me. Um, And so who knows? I mean, it could be like tomorrow, I literally have stomach issues and I have to go back to being vegan I don't really care but I think it's like this freedom around food that there is so much more than the whole burden of the entire fucking climate catastrophe being on your shoulders like I'm not subscribing to a certain type of diet or anything anymore just really personal reasons health reasons and it's just like what good is that doing for me personally yeah and I think with any sort of like in an individual lifestyle thing let's say you go zero waste let's say you take a bike to work 
I think there's certain personality types where you can do that and like forget it and feel good about the rest of your behaviors. But for me, like if I'm doing one little thing wrong, it ruins my entire diet. Mm-hmm. If I, for a while when I was trying to be zero waste, cause I was really inspired by that, I would like have a shitty day if I looked at anything that was plastic. And I think that's how I felt with food. I felt like there was a burden on me to like save the world just personality wise. That's how I am. So I'm sure some people are vegan and they don't really think every single day, but that stuff like would eat me alive. And I just feel so much better now that like, I am not going to change the world based on my dinner. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that everyone that's listening to this podcast should have that freedom to realize that you do have some sort of impact. We're not saying abdicate your responsibility and just throw your trash in the ground. Obviously, wouldn't have wouldn't have made this podcast talking about the importance of things like food waste and consumer culture if we didn't give a shit about people's you know impact on the planet. But realizing your place that you're at, realizing speaking kinder to people around you, how they can change their lifestyle. For me, it's like maybe I go and buy everyone in my family a reusable produce bag. Maybe I go and ask my neighbors if they all want to like petition the government for a compost bin. There are ways beyond veganism, and that's kind of the area that I think we want to leave this episode at least. Like, there are systemic inequalities in our food system that can govern these food choices like veganism, and if it feels like you're slipping into any sort of toxic lifestyle that is alienating you from other people, making you feel like I'm not doing enough, I think this is your call to action that we live in a society, basically. Like, you're not going to solve everything overnight, so... Go eat some Who Kitchen, I guess. Yeah. Go eat some cho- chocolate. We might do that next. Yeah, who knows. Um, yeah, that's kind of what we got today. But we're going to do another episode on the more of the systemic factors that address food waste when we're thinking about regenerative agriculture. We are going to try to do this in one episode. We're like, <laughs> we might be here for three days um, and have to take a snack break in between. <laughs> like, I don't know if we could do this in one pod. So I think that's where we're going to leave it. Um, so next week's podcast will also be about food and climate change. So we hope you enjoyed this one. We might do like something on our Instagram if you guys have specific things you'd want us to address in that podcast that, you know, questions you might have after listening to this. But Emma and I are off to a health store to treat ourselves to some dessert. Hell yeah. Um, you want to speak on this? It's a place called Lifetime Natural Market in the West Village. They have this really good thing called like this like blue magic cheesecake. It's like blue spirulina, coconut, and <laughs> coconut meat, blue spirulina. What else is it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We haven't had it in moments, and I literally moments. Have, I've not craved it, and I'm like, oh, I want this blue spirulina in my body. I want this like weird brick. <laughs> I literally put yeah, it is a brick. Um, I just have memories of us sitting because pre COVID sitting in their little cafe upstairs eating this. I remember one time we like went to Lifetime and we got like these like weird cookies that were like rocks. And- <laughs> And then, we, and, then, and then we got family and we like sat on the steps in like Soho and ate it together like literally like 9 p.m. on like a Tuesday night. Could not see what we were eating, but that was probably for the best. We were so like protective about our food. We're like, if any like hotties walking down Mercer Street, do not look at us because we are eating rock cookies with like oats and maple syrup with ice cream. Mess, mess. I miss those fucking days. Me I miss too. us walking around eating and being random. Sitting on like random benches on Houston Street, people watching. It's really why we live here honestly to just have random food choices um (laughs) so i'm excited we're gonna go to lifetime this will definitely get posted on instagram i literally have no other reason to live today besides this blue cheesecake that i will be getting same pre-podcast i wasn't even determined on like what i was gonna get i was gonna act like i was gonna you know look at all their fucking options no getting blue beauty no fuck that we ain't looking at the elderberry syrup we're going straight to the raw dessert section maybe i get some magnesium to go like those little gummies but no i'm looking for 
raw desserts into my body wellness gods that's all you need so yeah that's where we're gonna be but we hope you guys enjoyed this episode i feel like it is a very nuanced conversation so we hope you enjoy yes we'll see you next week maybe we'll be together again who knows we'll see but uh, as always live laugh and love (laughs) all you can can do at this point is live laugh and love so thank you for listening to episode 12 of what the fuck is cboss